Hello and welcome to ACS Chemical Biology's podcast for April 2012. I'm Jay Suarez, Managing Editor for the journal. I encourage you to stop by our ACS Chemical Biology community site on the ACS network by visiting www.acscbcommunity.com and follow the latest news in the field of chemical biology. The current issue of ACS Chemical Biology features 18 research papers and an insightful review by David Craig on the diverse structures and activities of a family of cyclic peptides. Darren Williams reports an exciting breakthrough in the field of tissue regeneration. Patrick Griffin offers a compound of therapeutic interest in targeting autoimmune diseases such as multiple sclerosis and rheumatoid arthritis. And finally, Karin Musier-Forsyth and co-workers provide a new class of antiviral peptides. Speaking of antiviral agents, we are now joined by Thomas Webb from St. Jude's Children's Hospital, author of a manuscript in the March issue of ACS Chemical Biology. Hi, Tom. Hi, how are you? Good. So your current manuscript identifies inhibitors against an influenza virus drug target. What were your reasons for selecting this target? Yeah, that's a very good question. The selection of the protein target is a critical aspect of every project, and in this case, it was no different. First, we wanted to develop new drugs, and though there are no drugs that are approved that act at influenza endonuclease, there has been significant progress in understanding the biochemistry and the structural biology of this target over the past few years. All of this indicated that this was a druggable protein target. By this, I mean that it can be inhibited by small molecules that have drug-like properties. The second reason was we had a mechanistic insight based on the biochemistry of this enzyme, which is that we could use a core scaffold that has been successfully used in HIV integrase and is mechanistically related to the target in this case. Okay, that sounds perfectly reasonable. So your lab has then developed a novel assay for identifying compounds interacting with the influenza PAN construct. What are the advantages of this method over previously described ones? Uh, well, the PA endonuclease subunit is part of a heterotrimeric RNA-dependent RNA polymerase. Because the substrate for this endonuclease is a host mRNA, the enzymatic assays tend to be inherently complex and low-throughput. Because of this, we decided to focus on a binding assay that targeted the endonuclease active site. The binding assay that we applied is known as fluorescence polarization. These assays can be very high throughput and robust. In order to implement it in this case, we designed and prepared a fluorescent probe that interacts with two metals in the active site. When this probe is bound to the PA subunit, the light remains fluorescent, but when it's displaced, the polarization signals decrease. In our case, we found that the assay also correlated well with the biochemical inhibition that is measured in very low-throughput transcription assays. This would be expected since we were measuring binding. We had targeted the endonuclease active site, so our assay has very high throughput, and it also allows for screening with high concentration of inhibitors, which is useful for the identification of fragments that can be elaborated into more potent and selective drug leads. Okay, so then using this assay, you evaluated a compound library against this target. Did you find any compounds that could be of potential clinical interest? 
Well, as you know, influenza has the potential for devastating worldwide pandemics. The 1918 influenza pandemic killed an estimated 50 to potentially up to 100 million people. And it is expected that the first line of defense against the next influenza pandemic would be small molecule therapeutics. So new drugs would be needed to help limit the spread of new influenza strains as they develop. And our publication is part of a significant program to develop new drug leads against influenza. And we're at a very early stage in this process, but in our paper we report compounds that show anti-influenza activity in vitro. It'll be several years before we have a molecule that would be ready for clinical studies, though. Yeah, but that's a very interesting uh, lead compound you got there, and thanks for joining us today. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. Our next author for today is Ruben Harris from the University of Minnesota, author of a manuscript in the March issue of ACS Chemical Biology. Hi, Ruben. Hi, Jitesh. So your manuscript deals with inhibiting a single-stranded DNA cytosine deaminase, A3G. Why is it important to find compounds that inhibit this nucleic acid editing enzyme? So Apobec3G, or A3G, we sometimes refer to it, is a, an HIV restriction factor. This enzyme was first identified about 10 years ago, and now many, many labs around the world have reproduced essentially the HIV restriction effect, where one can grow a virus in the presence of this enzyme, and it will crush it by a mutational mechanism in which the enzyme deaminates viral cDNA cytosines to uracils. So at first glance, it sounds counterintuitive. Why would we want to inhibit this potent antiviral enzyme? But reality is we hypothesize that this enzyme contributes to the normally high viral mutation rate and it's the viral mutation rate that is one of the big problems for HIV that enables the virus to evade our immune responses and succeed as it has, obviously, on a global level. And so we hypothesize that by inhibiting this enzyme completely, the virus has a natural inhibitor that's not fully effective at inhibiting Apobec3G. But by chemically inhibiting it, we could slow the rate of virus evolution and effectively enable our immune response to clear a virus infection. That's why we started this work. Okay, so then could you briefly describe for us your approach for identifying compounds that inhibit this enzyme? As biochemists, we took a pretty reductionist approach. We wanted to have the best enzyme possible and the simplest screen possible to identify the largest, essentially, cluster of inhibitors that could be subsequently deconvoluted by secondary and tertiary screens. So our screen involves recombinant enzyme from human cells, and a fluorescence-based assay. And the upshot of the screen is if the enzyme's working, one gets fluorescent output. If the enzyme's inhibited, that fluorescent output is diminished. And so that assay had a very nice tight, what's called a Z-score in essentially our preliminary studies setting it up, and on full-deck screening, it performed very well also. Okay, so the compounds that you identified then, how specific are they? So we've identified a range of compounds, and in this particular paper, we report a type of catechol-type compounds, a series of catechols that inhibit the enzyme. This is actually quite an interesting discussion we could spend some time on. What we have found by looking is that they're fairly specific, first of all, and by comparing them to related enzyme, Apobec3A, which is also a single-strand DNA cytosine deaminase, 
They're specific to Apibec 3G and not Apibec 3A. And then we compared it to two other enzymes that had been shown previously to be inhibited by catechol-type compounds, RNase H2 of HIV and integrase of HIV. And again, there was remarkable specificity for Apibec 3G. And so overall, they're pretty specific in biochemical assays to this enzyme. But I think the mechanism is that they bind to a pocket near the active site of the enzyme and react covalently with the cysteine that's located in an adjacent to active site loop. So I think there's at least two levels of specificity there. So that said, they will react with other available cysteines on other molecules, just not preferentially. Okay, so then how do you plan on improving on its potency and specificity? Well, several things. So we'd like a co-structure. We'd like an X-ray structure with a compound bound, and I think that'll give us clues as to how we can actually manipulate the side chains to confer additional specificity for active site binding. And along those studies, I think that will give us an opportunity to wean it away from the cysteine reactivity that helped us identify it. And in addition to that, we're just going to go bigger. I think in terms of chemical screens, a good screen is worth a lot and explore new chemical space that I think would be very difficult to predict what we'll get until we actually do it. So that is one way to improve not only these compounds, but identify other types of inhibitors of these enzymes. Okay, and good luck with that bigger screen, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Our final author for today is Dave Mukhopadhyay from Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, whose manuscript published in the current issue of ACS Chemical Biology deals with developing new anti-cancer agents. Hi, Dev. Hey, hi, Jitesh. So anti-cancer agents are typically designed to target intracellular kinases or cell surface receptors. What prompted you to go a different route? This is a great question. You know, originally in some of the reports, particularly pancreatic cancer, showed that the receptor expressions, you know, might change according to the progression of the disease. What I mean here, that sometimes the membrane-bound receptors can see more in the cytosolic component, like in the early endosomal compartment or some other part of the cells. So where if you target through antibodies or some kinase inhibitor, might not work. So the goal of this project, you know, originally was to use some of the, you know, specific strategy to completely downregulate the expression of the receptor rather than inhibition through antibody extracellularly or through some of the kinase inhibitor. So that's the whole idea. So rather than, you know, those particular non-targeting strategy, can we use some way blocking completely the expression of this receptor internally. Okay, so you targeted a protein GIPC. What exactly is this protein, and why is it a viable cancer target? Yes, that's a great question, actually. The GIPC is called GAPE Interacting Protein C-Terminal, and we showed before that this protein expressed several cancer types, including pancreatic cancer, breast cancer, and also other people showed other cancers. And this protein expression actually 
increased you know with the progression of the diseases in particular pancreatic cancer we published this paper before now uniqueness of this protein is is kind of controlling the protein trafficking particularly like several key receptors for cancer progressions like IGF1R like EGFR some of the integrin targeting like you know integrin alpha 6 alpha 5 and some of the like angiogenic receptors like various receptor 2 neuropilin i named this protein as a master regulator of trafficking because what happen in pancreatic cancer give an example IGF1R expressions is controlled by this protein so what happen when this protein complex with IGF1R it can bring this IGF1R complex to an early endosomal compartment and that protecting to degrading out lysosomal compartment and it hold right there and that's the way it can bypass the the degradation pathway of the receptor and that's the way also the most of the cancer cells are highly receptor expressors like IGF1R or some of the other receptors so that's why we thought that if we knock down IGGIPC can we block all the receptor expressions and actually it does so when we published that one that if we block GIPC diminish the expression of GIPC in cancer cells it can inhibit IGF1R expressions and also inhibit cancer pancreatic cancer growth so that is the foundations of work we are proposing in the ACS journal yeah that certainly sounds reasonable so you have identified a potent peptide which you named CR1166 which targets the PDZ domain of GIPC what important characteristics enhance this peptide's anti-cancer properties so technically you know this peptide we raised is a kind of competitive peptide so it can block the GIPC IGF1R association what happens since GIPC cannot bind to the IGF1R so IGF1R degradations promote prompted now the question is that's the thing we did before now what we did even more we chemically modified that peptide with the chemical modifications you know we put two bromo modifications in that peptide and that helps this peptide even get it much more efficacious because it can target more in the membrane bound side of the IGF1R GIPC complex so IGF1R cannot complex with GIPC in the membrane and cannot traffic down so automatically you know it can start falling apart and that's the whole notions that this is a peptidomimetic strategy you know this is a collaboration work done by Mark Speller in Dartmouth College and he's a peptide guy and we are the tumor biology guy so this is a joint hand together we developed the target he actually developed this peptide and that's why our paper is a joint paper together with Mark Speller and our group and i think it's it's, it's a new directions of cancer therapeutics yeah thanks for that great collaborative paper and thanks for joining us today thank you thank you very much To learn more about our authors of the manuscripts in the current issue, please see the Introducing Our Authors section on the web. This month, we feature 11 young scientists, Bi Hai Huang, Katsunori Tanaka, Xiao Hong Jian, Andre Koch, Haridas Road, Varun Dewan, Wung Hee Kim, Li Wu, Tao Liu, Johandi Gildenhuis. and Mira Chang read this section and get a younger chemical biologist perspective on their research
we continue to describe ChemBio glossary terms on the air. This month's key phrase is alkaloids, which are a group of basic nitrogen atom-containing organic natural products. Alkaloids are typically produced as secondary metabolites by a wide variety of organisms, such as plants, animals, bacteria, and fungi, and are pursued for their desirable pharmacological properties. For more information on specific anti-malarial alkaloids, please refer to the manuscript by Catherine de Villiers in the latest issue. That's it for this month's show. Join us again next month for more ACS Chemical Biology highlights and interviews with our authors. To learn more about the journal, please visit us at www.acschemicalbiology.org. Thanks to all of you for listening.